And welcome to In Your Corner, reaching out anytime. Super simple, 1-855-821-5900. Help at inyourcorner.ca is the email address. We'll talk about mydisabilityquestions.com a little later on in the show and your emails as well. We'll get to those as we always do on uh, every show, guys. James Fireman here, of course. Savannah Tamarkin is also uh, present and ready to roll. I think both you guys got something to talk about with the uh, the week that was. So post-haste, boys, what do you got going on first, Bob? All right, let's get into it, John. Again, very, very busy week. So let's start with the uh, question that was posted to that website you just mentioned, mydisabilityquestions.com. So here's the question. This person asks, uh, I was approved to go past my two-year change of definition. So he's talking about long-term disability here. About two months ago, since one week after being approved, they have bombarded me with mandatory treatments, including physio, work hardening program, and occupational therapy. Two weeks away from completing my sessions, and I'm no better. Actually, I'm worse. Uh, The insurance company is acting like I am ready to go back to work. Number one, do I have to take those treatments that they're demanding me to take? And number two... Where do I go from right. here? So this is very interesting because this person is making reference to the fact that he is now getting paid beyond that two-year mark. So let's break this down for listeners who are tuning in for the first time. In the long-term disability world, to qualify for long-term disability payments from your insurance company, you have to demonstrate through medical records, medical reports from the doctors treating you that you cannot do your own occupation because of your illness or your injury. Simple enough. To qualify beyond the two-year mark, the test now changes. Now you have to demonstrate, again, with your doctor's help, that you cannot do any occupation for which you are suited for by training, education, or experience. So this gentleman is saying that he's crossed that threshold. The insurance company actually approved him. They've recognized that he's not able to do any occupation for which he's suited for by training, education, or experience, except that they've bombarded him, as he puts it, with all of these treatments. And James and I have talked about this before. What do you do when the insurance company is telling you, you have to go to this treatment provider and this one and this one? So we're not talking about sending you to an insurance doctor for an assessment, a single-time assessment. We're talking about the insurance company essentially forcing you to go to their treatment providers. Unless it says that in the policy that you have to do that, and I've never seen that in any policy, you don't have to do that, especially in a situation where it's getting, it's making you worse. And what we tell people is make sure you go to someone who you're comfortable with, whether it's an occupational therapist, a physiotherapist, a psychologist, whoever it is. And oftentimes people end up getting referrals from their own family doctors. And again, in this situation here, it certainly seems like the insurance company is very eager to cut this person off. That's what jumps at me. When this person says, I was approved beyond the two-year date, so the insurance company has been paying him for now for two years plus, But they're telling him, we think you can go back to work or we are training you to go back to work and they're pushing him to do that. He has to understand that he has certain rights. And what does he need to do here? He needs to document what is happening with his adjuster. He shouldn't say to his adjuster, I refuse treatments because you have an obligation to get treated to try and get better. It's called the duty of mitigation in law. But it's very important for him if these treatments are not working to make sure that he tells his adjuster in writing via email is okay that these treatments are not doing anything for him. In fact, they're making him worse, uh, that he's going to be speaking with his doctor. And of course, he should speak with his doctor or doctors, make sure the doctors record that in their notes, that he's very willing to get these treatments because he wants to get better and get back to work. But these treatments are not, are not you know, working well. So you, know, you have to recognize these signs. And I think what's happening here is that this person is recognizing that the insurance company is, is you know, putting the screws to him, that they're trying to do something that perhaps is unethical, 
they're trying to cut him off. They don't want to continue paying him. Well, he has rights. And if he cannot do his work, if he cannot do his his job, his occupation, uh, any occupation really for that matter, he has a right to tell the insurance company, this is not making me better. You have no right to do this to me. And frankly, I suggest to people, give us a call. Let us chat. Uh, we'll look at your specific case. We'll tell you what your rights are. We'll tell you what your options are. But you know, don't simply do whatever the insurance company is telling you to do if it's making your condition worse. Yeah, I, I agree with everything that you've said. And in those situations, I find often that there will be the an implied thing from the adjuster that suggests that you have to go with their treatment provider. But most adjusters are smart enough to not explicitly say that. So they'll make you feel like you have to go with their treatment provider. And that's why it's really important to do exactly what Savant suggested and document it and say, it seemed to me that you were saying I had to use this treatment provider. I want to be clear on what you are saying. And if you are telling me that if I don't use this treatment provider, you're going to cut off my benefits because I'm perfectly willing to continue with appropriate treatment. I just feel that this provider is not appropriate for me and would be happy to switch to someone else. Of my choosing. Right. Right. That's the way it goes. We'll uh, we'll take a short break. I know, James, you want to get into some stuff as well. We mentioned it once. We'll do it again. MyDisabilityQuestions.com. You can leave your questions there. Savan, the team, they answer them pretty quickly. That's in uh, the phone number, 1-855-821-5900. Help at inyourcorner.ca. And a reminder as well, uh, In Your Corner on Global TV. That happens Sunday mornings at 8.30. Lots more In Your Corner is on the way. It's Global News Radio. And welcome back to In Your Corner. Want to reach out? 1-855-821-5900. Help at inyourcorner.ca. Week that was continues. James, uh, you're up, pal. What do you got going on? I had a lady who called me yesterday. and She's been on long-term disability for three years. So she's passed this change of definition uh, where, as Fawn was just talking about in the last segment, uh, where the test has changed now to whether she can do any occupation. They've been paying her for a year beyond that. So they've accepted that she cannot return to any kind of work. She's got post-traumatic stress disorder. And this is confirmed not only by her own doctors, but in fact by two assessments paid for by the insurer. So they know she cannot go back to work. She has been diligent in going to all treatment. She has gone to every assessment that was asked of her. She's done everything that they've asked. She's provided information when they've requested it. In March of this year, apparently the insurer says that they sent her a letter requesting an update on certain medical documents. Mm -hmm. One letter. By mail. She never got the letter. In June... They send her another letter saying, we've closed your file because you never responded to our letter from March. So the May payment that you got was the last one that you're going to get. Sorry, you can appeal if you like. Now, this is obviously completely ridiculous. This is a person who's been getting benefits for years, has been completely compliant, and they know that. And if she hadn't responded to the March letter, there's obviously an obligation for them to go much further than to just close the file with one shot at it. They certainly could have emailed her, as they've done in the past. They could have picked up a phone and called her. They did none of those things. And she's certainly more than willing to get them the information. She immediately, when she found this out, booked an appointment with her doctor in order to get that information in any case. But the point of all of this is that the insurance company, even if you have a legitimate disability, they're still going to look for a way to get out from under having to pay you. This lady is 61 years old, so she's got another four years of benefits coming to her, and they don't want to pay it. 
They don't want to pay it. And they know based on their own medical evidence that she's going to qualify almost certainly for the next four years. So they're just looking for any excuse. Maybe it's manufactured, maybe it's not. But even if it's not, even if they actually did send that letter back in March, they certainly have an obligation to go further than just sending one letter. They have to follow up with her. So she's going to try and get them that information. And if they're smart, they'll just reinstate her as they should. But if not, we're going to help her out. And I have no doubt that we're going to be able to help her. And, and you know, John, I just want to touch on something James mentioned. She got a letter that says uh, your file is closed or your case is closed. You know, it's interesting. I just put that in quotes. I've been writing it down as, as James was saying it. Uh, I actually have people calling me occasionally saying, you know, here's what happened. It could be this context or a different context. I have a long-term disability claim or I had one. For whatever reason, the insurance company wrote me a letter or sent me an email saying my file is closed. And so what people gather from that is that they have no recourse. Hold on for a second. The <laughs> fact that the insurance company is saying case closed does not mean that your rights are extinguished. Absolutely not. Remember, if you have a disability, illness, an injury, something that prevents you from working and your doctors are saying that's in fact the case, you cannot work, the insurance company cannot simply unilaterally shut you out. They can write you telling you your case is closed. That means nothing. One letter from us or a legal claim from us, trust me, will open that wide open and they will pay you. And they're they're trying to get her into that lovely appeal web, which we love so much, right? Right. But thankfully, she did the right thing and she contacted yeah. us. So, you know, we can make sure that she doesn't go down that road. You've, uh, you've uh, recently or at least mentioned in the last few shows, Savannah, that you're affiliated <laughs> with several consultants who are experienced in WSIB and STD, et cetera. What do you yeah, we have a lot of people that? contacting us okay. uh, for workers' comp uh, uh, issues, CPP disability um, sometimes disability tax credits. We don't do that at the firm, but we have uh, an affiliation with some people uh, across the province who have expertise in those areas. They're not lawyers. They're people who've worked in those industries, uh, in those areas, and uh, we can put you in touch with them. So if you get in touch with me, listen to, to John telling you the contact info throughout the show, I will put you in touch with them. I like this uh, topic for today. It says, so your LTD insurer arranged for you to have an assessment with one of their doctors. Three things you should do after the assessment, right? Yeah, is that where so we're this going? is yeah, that's right, okay. and this is very common. People, people, uh, you know, are told that uh, their insurance company, their adjuster says, "I want you to be assessed by mm-hmm. one of our doctors." And by the way, sometimes it's not a medical doctor, but in any event, they use that interchangeably often. Uh, so, you know, it, there's certainly a lot of things you need to do and consider. First of all, one thing I want you to keep in mind: if you're being treated for again an illness or an injury or a combination of both. And you have doctors who are writing the insurance company saying, this person cannot work. You cannot work. If the insurance company at some point tells you, we want you assessed by one of our doctors, that's a red flag. They're allowed to do that. The majority of LTD policies I have seen gives them the right to have you assessed by one of their doctors. But you have to think about it. Why do they want you to be seen by one of their doctors, a doctor they are going to be paying for to see you? And, you know, the reason is very simple because they want to see, they, they try to fish for an opinion from someone they're paying to say that either you're not disabled from working or you're not as disabled or it's time for you to try to return back to work. So just be on your guard. You're not going to the doctor for the purpose of getting treatments from him so or, or her. So very, very, uh, very important to understand that. So a few things you need to keep in mind. Number one, uh, Make a list of any concerns you had with that assessment. So, okay, so you've gone to that assessment. It's an orthopedic assessment right. or a, a psychological assessment, whatever assessment. 
afterwards, same day, I would say even the same hour after the assessment, make a list of any concerns whatsoever you had. And people, you know, will tell me of a whole bunch of concerns. They'll tell me the doctor was rude. The doctor was not letting me answer questions. Uh, the doctor was making me do exercises of, of, of certain uh, uh, sorts that, uh, you know, made me, uh, you know, that, that were painful for me. Any concerns whatsoever that you have, make sure you have a list of those because you need to verbalize those to the adjuster. That is a problem and that's something that we could potentially use down the road if they end up using that doctor's opinion mm -hmm. to cut you off. Yeah, I agree with that. And I, I'm not sure if you mentioned, but you want to make sure you put that in writing and send that to the adjuster Absolutely. so there's a record of it. Another thing that you ought to do is record how much time the doctor is actually spending with you. Almost everyone at this point has a smartphone and every smartphone has a timer on it. Right. I'm not suggesting you should make a big show of it or even bring it to anyone's attention that you're timing them. But before you get called in to go to see the doctor, just very subtly turn the timer on. Mm -hmm. And as soon as you're done, when you have a moment and you can do it discreetly, turn it off. It doesn't matter that it's to the second, but you want it to be reasonably accurate and just get a sense of how much time that right. doctor actually spent with you. That's important because at the end of the day, they're going to try and rely on this doctor's opinion. And if they that doctor only saw you for 15 minutes or 25 minutes or even 40 minutes, that's going to be compared to your treating doctor who has spent hours upon hours upon hours with you over the course of several years. And whose opinion do you think a court is going to rely on more? Someone who has seen you momentarily on one occasion and is being paid by the defendant or someone who is being paid independently by the government right. and who has seen you for years on end. We'll uh, take a short break, guys. Three things you need to do after that assessment. Number two and number three are on the way. In the meantime, contact one 821 5900 Help at inyourcorner.ca. This is In Your Corner, Global News Radio. And back, this is In Your Corner. Want to reach out, get a hold of Savannah James, member of the uh, the team. Real simple, one 821 5900 Help at inyourcorner.ca. .ca, the three things you should do after this assessment that have you been arranged by your LTD insurer. Uh, number two is this. Get a copy of the report or opinion prepared by the insurance assessor that you saw and go through it to make sure it accurately reflects what happened during that assessment or uh, and your medical history. Yeah? yeah, this is really important. So it's actually quite unusual that I see that an insurance company goes through the process of having someone assessed. More often than not, they'll do what are called paper reviews. But when they go through the trouble of actually having the assessment, first of all, I say bravo, because most of them aren't going to spend the time and money to do that. But when they do, you want to make sure that that opinion is based on a, a solid foundation um, that reflects what's actually happened in your life. Because if it doesn't, that opinion isn't really going to be worth much. And so you know, they might hire someone who is legitimately independent, who is qualified, and they may even support the, the insurer's position. But if they're not aware of important facts in your life that go to whether or not you're able to work, then that opinion isn't going to have any merit. And virtually all doctors, when they're doing these reports for legal purposes, they're going to have a paragraph, sometimes it's at the beginning, sometimes it's at the end, that says the opinions here are based on the information that's been provided. But if there's other information that becomes available, the opinion may well change. And that is just common sense. Mm -hmm. And if there is information that they don't have in the report, either because they didn't record it when you told them or they didn't ask or they, for some other reason, weren't aware of it, that means that the report itself may not be of any use to the insurance company, which is certainly what we're looking for. Right.
Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, the only thing that I would add is that, again, remember, if you're getting cut off uh, long-term disability because of an insurer assessor's report or opinion, we want to be able to uh, potentially undermine that. We want to be able to attack that opinion in your favor to show that the insurance company's doctor was either biased, didn't consider everything. So it's very important for you to actually go through that report. Now, uh, here's, here's a point to make. I do have people contacting me saying, okay, well, Sivan, you're saying to us that we should request those opinions, those reports, and the insurance company, the adjuster is refusing to produce those. Uh, And, you know, there's nothing nothing you can do. So they should, they should. I mean, it would make sense, right? I mean, if they're cutting you off because of it, they should give that to you. Uh, but, But here's the thing. You can't force them to produce that opinion to you, but guess what? We can, and how do we do that? Once we start a legal claim, under the rules of civil procedure, these are the rules that mm-hmm. govern the legal claims process that we initiate. They must, by law, provide not right. only that report but their entire file. And you know, once we get those files, ah, we have you know we we have a party at the office. Because I mean, I don't know if there's a day that goes by that James or I don't speak about certain files that we're handling, where we're thinking to ourselves, "Oh my God, look at what we just found in the adjuster's file." You know, and it's not just about the various um, opinions that some of the insurance assessors have. It's also about the way that the adjusters are handling the claim. So remember, we can do something you as an individual cannot do. Once we initiate a legal process, the insurance company is then bound by different rules, rules that allow us to force them to provide us the guts of how they've made the decisions that they've made that led to the termination of your benefits. And that's how we attack them. Your LTD insurer has sent you for an assessment. The last thing you need to do after that assessment is this, and it kind of goes after your second point. Give a copy of the report to your treating doctors and have them review it and provide their comments on it, especially if they disagree with the opinions expressed in that report, right? Well, that's key. I mean, that's important. Just imagine you have a doctor, let's say a psychologist, who's been treating you for a year and a half, uh, and that psychologist knows you really well because they see you once a week. And they say you are unable to do your own your own occupation, or perhaps any occupation. You know, you have a major depressive disorder, or whatever the issue is. And guess what? You went to see uh, a therapist, a psychologist, psychiatrist from the insurance company. They saw you for thirty minutes. They produced a report that says that you're not really that disabled. Wouldn't you want your own psychologist or psychiatrist or whoever's treating you to have a look at that opinion? I mean, I can tell you, your own treating doctors are probably going to take issue with many of the conclusions drawn by that insurance assessor, especially given the fact that your doctors have been treating you for a while. They know you. They have a a file. You've been seeing them once a week or once a month or however long it's been. So you definitely, definitely want to make sure that that report makes its way to your own doctor so your own doctors can provide their opinion And I'll tell you, I've had situations where once I've extracted that opinion from the insurance company, I'm thinking of a case specifically in Ottawa that I had, where the insurance company didn't want to produce that assessor's opinion to my client, and then I got involved, started a legal claim, got the whole file. I gave that psychiatrist's report, the one from the insurance company, to my client's psychiatrist. My client's psychiatrist then wrote a four-page report tearing apart (laughs) the opinion from the insurance assessors, uh, uh, assessor. So you know you want your doctors to, to 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 be able to look at what the insurance assessors are saying, because chances are your doctors will be able to back you up and provide us the necessary ammunition to go after the insurance company to force them to the table. I actually had a mediation last week that perfectly illustrates this entire scenario. My client uh, had 
been seeing a psychotherapist for over a year and hadn't been making a lot of progress. It was very slow. And the insurance company sent her to see a psychiatrist who gave an assessment and actually diagnosed her with um, significant anxiety and depression. And then the insurance company did what they rarely do and actually sent that report to her treating psychotherapist for comment, which wow. was surprisingly, they're yeah. usually not that thorough, but I had to give them credit. And at the mediation, I did in fact say, I was actually quite impressed that you took that step. I don't normally see that. But what happened then was what you might expect. So her own psychotherapist said, I understand why he thinks this because he's not aware that she's recently been dealing with issues of childhood trauma, very significant issues. And I'm not going to go into them on the air, but things that you can understand why they would have effect into adulthood. I'll put it that way. And these are things that weren't in his clinical notes and records at the time the insurance assessor um, gave his uh, opinion and made his report. So he just wasn't aware of it and said, had he been aware of this, he might well have understood that these symptoms that she's having are really a result of post-traumatic stress disorder as a result of these childhood traumas, not simple anxiety and depression. And so that that diagnosis is actually not appropriate. And he explained it quite well, quite thoroughly. And you know, it was quite clear to me looking at it that the assessor had it wrong, not because of his own fault. Right. He just simply wasn't aware of it. What should they have done in that scenario? Clearly, they should have gone back to their own psychiatrist and said, okay, here's what the treating psychotherapist is saying. Do you have anything you want to add to your report? Right. Maybe he would have, maybe he wouldn't have, but they never did that. Right. They just went with his original opinion, and even though I still don't think it was justified, they cut, they cut her off in those circumstances. When we got to mediation, it was a pretty easy decision, and they paid. And they paid almost the full value of the policy up to 65 We're going to get to some emails after a uh, short break. You want to contribute? Help at inyourcorner.ca. Write the phone number down as well, 1-855-821-5900. This is In Your Corner on Global News Radio. And back with more In Your Corner. Reaching out is simple, 1-855-821-5900. If you haven't used it yet, a uh, place for you to uh, get some questions answered quite quickly, mydisabilityquestions.com. And the global TV show In Your Corner happens Sunday mornings at uh, 8.30. First email up, guys, is going to be uh, Alan today. Alan says, in August of last year, my wife was approved for long-term disability for a degenerative neurological condition. And since then, she's made remarkable improvements, but she's not out of the woods yet. She's 37 years old and works in marketing. Her employer has been very accommodating and told her that they'll keep her job for her until she can come back. Her insurance adjuster said that because she's improved so much in the last few months, they wanted to start the return to work hardening program next month, despite her own doctor's reservations. She's not sure if she should do that because it's against her doctor's advice at this time. What should she do? Very straightforward. You listen to what your doctor has to say, full stop. When it comes to medical decisions, Mm. that is who you listen to. You don't listen to your insurance company on medical issues. You don't listen to your lawyer on medical issues. Doctors have medical training. That is what their expertise is. Now, having said that, you also have to be aware of the potential consequences of doing that. If you refuse to uh, to go into the work hardening program, even if it's with your doctor's advice, there is a good chance that your insurance company will take the position that you're no longer entitled to benefits. But so be it, because frankly, if they're going down this road and saying you have to go to this work hardening program, they're going to get there sooner or later, probably sooner. So you you not agreeing to go through with this when your doctor says you shouldn't isn't really changing much. It might just be quickening the pace of their decision by a few weeks, but maybe not even that. 
what's important, number one, follow your doctor's advice. If he says don't do it, don't do it. Number two, if that is the case, make sure you put that in writing. Make sure it is very clear from your doctor that it is not appropriate that you go to this work hardening program so that they can't ever take the position that they weren't aware that there was a medical reason that you shouldn't be doing that. And if they are going to cut you off on that basis, they'll be doing it fully aware that their decision is against the advice of a medical professional that is treating you. And if they're going to do that and put themselves in that position down the road, so be it. They're going to be in a terrible, a terrible position once we get to mediation or if it didn't resolve there in court. And they know it. So you're going to make it much more difficult for them as long as you make sure that it is very clear in writing from your doctor. You know, the the only thing that I would add here is that I hear from doctors uh, directly who are frustrated by scenarios like this where they tell their patients you're not ready yet and the patient comes back to them and says, yes, but if I don't do it, the insurance company is going to cut me off. Right. Well, they're going to cut you off anyways. They, they will. That's what they do. It's very rare for me to hear from someone who has been on disability for eons and, and have been paid out until age 65. I mean, usually you see that with extreme cases, usually cases where you have extreme physical trauma, things like that. Insurance companies will seize on anything. One of the absolute most common techniques they use to really bully you into going back to work is by suggesting that if you don't do it, you're not acting in good faith. You're not doing what you're supposed to do. You're not uh, you know, doing uh, your part in, in the process. That is absolute nonsense. And now I circle back to what James said. You listen to your doctors. Don't be bullied by the insurance company. Don't think that the insurance company has all this power. They don't. They have only as much power as you give them. And if you let them bully you and you let them force you to go back to work, you're compromising your own health. Not to mention the relationship you're going to have with your doctor because you're going to, your doctor is going to tell you afterwards, I told you so when you come back and saying, you know, now I can't get out of bed. So you have to be very careful. And it's in these situations, exactly in these situations that you contact us and we will talk to you about your specific case, your particular set of circumstances, and we will tell you what you need to do. There's no magic to it. It's just that James and I have been around the block. We've seen this time and time again. Do not get bullied by insurance company uh, companies. They don't have that power that you think that they do. If, you, if your doctor says, yeah, okay, you're probably okay to try work hardening and you start into it, you can't do it. You're physically not there. You have the doctor's backing. Can you go back on? Well, by the policy, yes. Virtually right. all policies will have language in there that will allow you to attempt to go back to work. And if you're not successful return to the policy gotcha. without having to go through an elimination period. And just so everyone understands, when you apply for long-term disability insurance, or for benefits, I should say, there's usually a waiting period of four or six months, something in that range. Sometimes you're getting paid short-term during that period, sometimes not. But in any case, your long-term disability benefits typically take four to six months before they kick in. If you try and go back to work, as long as it's less than, it's usually six months, as long as it's less than six months um, that you're back at work, typically you would be entitled to go back on claim right. if right. you are not able to continue. But the insurance company would be free to assess you at that point, make their own decision. Gotcha. And from my own experience, and I'm pretty sure this accords with Savans as well, more often than not, if you make an attempt to go back to work, 
and you're not successful, the insurance company is going to say, well, we think that you still can, and they're not going to continue paying the benefits, even though you may be entitled to those under the policy. And so you want to be really careful when you're making the decision to go back to work. You want to be really careful that not only do you have your doctor's approval to try it, but that you feel like there's a good chance you're going to be successful. If you if you don't think you're going to be successful, then consider that more than likely, if you're not successful, you're not going to get benefits at the end of it. Another email coming up, guys. Greg, stand by. Yours is next. You want to send one along? We'd love to love to hear from you. Help at inyourcorner.ca and the phone number, 1-855-821-5900. In Your Corner on Global News Radio. In Your Corner continues. The uh, number is 1-855-821-5900. Help at inyourcorner.ca through email. And on Global TV, Sunday mornings at 830 uh, in your corner will be on your TV. Greg, you're up next. As promised, says... Uh, I had a bad accident last December after finishing uh, work at our production plant. I injured both my legs and haven't been able to walk without a walker since. That means I can't work either because my job was very physical and I don't have any education past grade 10. I'm 51. My long-term disability insurer said that it's a work-related accident, so I should be on WSIB. But they rejected my application saying that it was after work. I don't know what to do. Please help. So this is a case of the insurance company, again, trying to pass the buck. And we see this a lot in the context of employment type cases where somebody says, you know, I've had difficult time at work and now I'm depressed. And, and, you know, as a result of that, I have to go on long-term disability. And the insurance company says, well, hold on for a second. That's not what's covered under the policy because it's an employment issue. Go to an employment lawyer. Uh, we see that with workers' comp as well. And sometimes they are correct. It's a workers' comp issue. But if you've applied to WSIB and you've been rejected, you have a right to make a claim for long-term disability. Now, maybe your policy uh, will contain some language that says that you have to appeal these kinds of workers' comp denials. We, c- we can look at that. But you know what's important to understand is that if you are injured, if you can't work, Uh, Even if it happened at work, but workers' comp denied your claim, your LTD insurer should approve your claim if you're unable to work. And if they don't, you give us a call and you let us take a look at everything. We have to look at the policy. We have to look at the decision from workers' comp. We have to take a look at what your doctors are saying. But chances are that we can help you. It's very important that you contact us immediately when that happens. Get to uh, Layla. Layla is up next. Says, how often do you uh, see people rejected from long-term disability? When they have done everything the insurer adjuster has asked them to. My sister is in that situation. She really thought that her adjuster understood what she was going through. She talked to her at least once a week, and now this adjuster says that she will be cut off her payments in October. She's only 42 and has very bad episodes of depression and chronic fatigue. She feels betrayed by this insurance lady. Listen, to answer Layla's question, we see this all the time. And in fact, when we started the show in the opening segment in the week that was, I gave an example of a woman who contacted me just yesterday who also had done absolutely everything the insurer had advised her to do and asked her to do and even had their own doctors say that she was disabled and still cut her off. So it is not uncommon to hear that. But what I really want to emphasize was really important that people understand is that the relationship here is not a, a one of two friends. It is not people who um, have you know genuine concern for each other. The adjuster, if they're good at their job, will try to make you feel that way. But that is not what their objective is. Their objective is not to help you and don't believe that it is. And I'm not trying to tell you that all adjusters are bad people or that they're necessarily underhanded or you know doing things that they shouldn't. Some are, but not all of them are. 
But at the end of the day, they have an employer and they're judged based on how much money their files are paying out and how much money they're able to save their employer. The only way they can save money for their employer is by cutting off claims or uh, denying claims as soon as possible. And the ones that do that well move up and the ones that don't, don't move up. It's as simple as that. So your adjuster's objective is not to help you. Your, your adjuster's objective is to try and find a way eventually to cut you off. So I'm not suggesting you should be unpleasant. I'm not suggesting that you should be aggressive with your adjuster. Uh, you should be pleasant. But remember at all times that they have a very different set of uh, of objectives that they're looking to accomplish than you do. And so you want to make sure you're careful in everything that you say with them and be prepared. And if they start doing things like spending money on assessors or sending you to different treatment programs, you should understand that that's going to lead somewhere and it's probably mm. going to lead to a denial of your benefits. Now, something to consider here, uh, John, is that Layla's saying that her sister was told that her benefits would end this October, so it hasn't happened yet. We can jump into the picture right now and help her sister. And we, t- we see this quite often, people who have uh, benefits and they're told they're given a date at some point in the future, this is when you're going to be cut off. Don't wait until that date. Don't waste your time trying to appeal uh, that decision by the insurance company. Uh, contact us immediately. And again, remember, by contacting us, by emailing us, calling us, speaking with us, it doesn't obligate you to follow what we're telling you. It's just that we're telling you we can actually spend time with you you specifically were having an issue as opposed to on air here and, and go through everything and tell you what you can do. But, you know, more often than not, I have people contacting me saying, uh, I was cut off last month, two months ago, five months ago. And when I ask them, when were you first notified you will be cut off? They give me a date several months before that. Right. So, you know, the insurance company is telling you, you will be cut off. Well, if somebody told you, don't go through that intersection by your house tomorrow because you're going to get into an accident, you're going to do whatever you can to avoid that. If you're told you're going to be cut off benefits in three months, why are you wasting your time following what the insurance company is telling you? This is when we take action now to force them to either not cut you off or force them to pay what they have to pay you, hopefully before they cut you off, if not right after. But it's important that you take action now and don't simply you know, fall into their trap of the appeals, of begging them. None of that is going to work. They've told you they're cutting you off. They're going to cut you off. This is when you call us. Slide in a couple more emails uh, after a break. one 821 5900 Help at inyourcorner.ca is the email address you want to send one along. We'll, uh, we'll do that after a short break, as mentioned, right here in your corner on Global News Radio. In Your Corner, we're back at it. Another email, help at inyourcorner.ca. The uh, TV show In Your Corner happens on Global TV Sunday mornings at 8.30. And the phone number, by the way, keep it toll free, one 821 5,900. We'll get to uh, Janice now. Janice writes in, fellas, says, I've been a teacher in Northern Ontario for almost 20 years. I've had several tragedies in quick succession involving my close family in the past few years, and I've been seeing a psychologist for help. I'm taking medications, but I'm always tired and can't focus. I'm 46 years old, and when I applied for long-term disability, my insurance company wrote back saying that I don't qualify because I don't fit the definition of quote-unquote total disability. My union says that they can try to appeal the decision, but I've heard you say that you shouldn't appeal. What can I do now that they've rejected my application? Excellent question. So first off, don't appeal. Whether you're in a union or not, you don't want to appeal. 
People who are in a union are in a particular category, and in some cases, in many cases, we're able to help them. And it really just depends on the language of their collective bargaining agreement. And I'm not going to go into detail on how that's determined. It's actually something that's pretty quick for us to figure out, and we can do that right off the top. All we need to do is take a quick look at it. If we can help, then the thing that we're going to want to do is start a legal claim, which is what we talk about on the show all the time. If we can't, then you want to make sure that you go back to your union and say, no, I don't want to appeal this because as it would be if it wasn't a unionized person, appealing still gives the insurance company complete control over the process. If you're in a union, what you want to do is you want to start a grievance and start that process. So it isn't something that the insurance company has complete control over anymore. There's somebody independent that is overseeing the whole process. That is the way that it's set up if you're in a union and the collective bargaining agreement requires that. But what happens is you get these letters and it's, you know, this goes back to uh, Layla's email that we talked about on the last segment where, you know, you're told that your benefits are going to be cut off, um, but you're given the option to appeal. And so you have, let's say, three or four months um, before that they're cut off and you see that you have this option. That seems like the reasonable thing to do. It seems like, okay, well, I can do this. This is an immediate thing that I can do. And I got four months to figure this out. So this is what I'm going to do now. All that does is it delays a resolution because the appeals don't go anywhere. The appeals, and this is what we talk about every week on this show, If you're appealing the decision, it is not going to some independent person who is going to take a fresh look at it, an unbiased fresh look, and make a fair decision. It's going back to the insurance company who has an incentive to save money and to cut off your benefits or deny your claim. And it's usually going back to either the same person or the supervisor of the same person who made the decision in the first place. And if you think that they're going to change their mind just because you're asking nicely, you're fooling yourself. Unless there is something earth-shattering that completely changes the picture, and by the way, even then, not always, they're not going to change their mind on it. They're going to maintain whatever position they've taken, regardless of whether it makes sense to you or not, because that's what they do. They're in business to make money, full stop. Guys, we'll get to one more uh, email here before we wrap. Sandy, up next is three years ago, I was approved for long-term disability after a battle with cancer. I was in remission in the past year and a half, but the treatments damaged my immune system so bad that the doctors said that uh, I wouldn't fully recover for a long time. I've been fighting with my insurance company since then and have already lost two appeals. There we go. I've uh, had at least two doctors that say that I can't go back to work to my high-tech job and that I should be off work until I'm able to perform the main tasks of my job. But this insurance company insists on ignoring what my doctors are saying. Have you dealt with this before? Yes, we have, Sandy. Absolutely. And, and you know, you've done the right thing by contacting us. And, John, how terrible is this for this person who's battled cancer, who's that's such a, such a terrible disease, and, and now he has to battle this insurance company that's supposed to be there for him to give him this uh, peace of mind uh, to provide income replacement benefits? You know, it, it's just, it, it makes me angry that someone in this position have to deal with with an insurance company that just completely lacks common sense. But do they lack common sense? Or do they think that they have in front of them somebody who is in a vulnerable state that they can simply take advantage of? And clearly they've tried to multiple times because he's gone through two appeals, which again, of course, we talk about these appeals all the time. They're useless. Here's a prime example of someone who has a disease that everyone knows how terrible it is, and yet the insurance company still denies his claim despite his own doctor saying he cannot work. 
very, could, very sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Very quickly, I just want to add something here. So Sandy, when Sandy went on disability, obviously the basis for it initially was the cancer and the effects of the cancer treatment. And what Sandy is telling us is that the cancer is in remission, but as a result of the treatment, um, he's now suffering from sorry. What do you say? From a, immune uh, a damaged issues. immune system, yeah. and that's preventing him from returning to work. And as long as you're continuously disabled from returning to work, it does not matter that the reason for your disability has changed. As long as you are continuously disabled, you remain continuously entitled to benefits. And, and by the way, Sandy hasn't said here anything about the insurance company uh, relying on any other opinions. So really, everything we have to go by here are these doctors who are treating Sandy. Uh, I don't know if one of them is an oncologist or not. Generally, that's what I see with uh, cancer patients. But the point is this. He has a case and we can help him. Sandy, nicely done. We're going to leave it there for now. You want to reach out to and get a hold of James, Savan, rest of that team. It's simple. 1-855-821-5900. Help at inyourcorner.ca as well. Till next time, this has been In Your Corner on Global News Radio.